0: Welcome to your Bright Recovery podcast, where we celebrate your story of recovery and resilience. I'm your host, Caroline Byler. I am so thrilled to welcome my next guest to your Bright Recovery podcast, Dora Dantzler Wright from the Chicago Recovering Communities Coalition. She is the executive director there and has over 34 years, she has over 34 years of long-term recovery from substance use disorder and mental health. Not only that, but she brings decades of experience working in the field of substance use treatment and recovery in clinical settings, in residential inpatient treatment programs, outpatient services for women, Department of Children and Families, and recovery home settings. She is a powerhouse, let me tell you, and leader in the recovery movement. She founded the recovery community organization, Chicago Recovering Communities Coalition, which is a nationally recognized RCO and a state affiliate of Faces and Voices of Recovery. Now we get deep and hear a little bit more about Ms. Wright's story and why today she works so hard to bring recovery into her community of Chicago. It's truly an honor to be able to talk with other women who have been for decades working tirelessly with so much love and so much care to help support other women. And one of the things that we talk a little bit about, I'm not gonna give too much away, but is how in recovery, sometimes we can use those experiences of hurt and struggle, those experiences of needing a specific resource and not having it as truly a catalyst to be able to create those same services that we needed at given points along our journey but didn't have. Create those services and make them available for someone else. You're also going to learn more about what a recovery community organization is. Now, if you are in the field and you're like, yeah, yeah, I know what an RCO is, You don't know what it is, according to Ms. Ray. Let's jump right in. Welcome. I am so grateful to be talking with Dora Wright today from the Chicago Recovering Communities Coalition and a number of other things that she does. We'll hear more about that. So welcome.
1: Thank you. I'm happy to be here.
0: Now, first off, you live, it sounds like, and work in Chicago. I'm curious Tell us something that someone in the audience might not know about Chicago.
1: Something that someone may not know about Chicago, it is a very diverse um, community. Uh, It has a lot of smaller communities inside of bigger urban community, specifically Hispanic, Polish, Chinese communities, some of the things that I really, really like doing in this community and in Chicago is putting a face on recovery. As mm-hmm. you know, addiction is re- really, really prevalent, but putting a face on recovery is something that um, I think is real, real important to communities of color.
0: Beautiful. Well, thank you so much for that. And I'm curious, do you have kind of, this is a little bit on the lighter side before we get into some more deeper topics, but do you have a favorite restaurant in Chicago? If
1: I love Longhorn. They have the best steaks, mm-hmm. uh, and it's in western suburbs and uh, quite a few other communities. Mm-hmm. Uh, my most favorite place to be in the summertime is Mario's Italian Ice on Taylor Street. Mm-hmm. I oh, love from May to September. I can just plop in there and get me an Italian Ice. Many different flavors. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, that sounds delicious today. It's a hot one out there today.
0: I'm not sure. I'm, I'm- right outside Knoxville, so it is a bit steamy here today. Well, thank you so much for joining, and we were connected, we were just saying before we started, Dr. Uh, Roberson from Northern Illinois Recovery Community Organization, and she connected us, and it sounds like you've done some work with her. Uh, I'm a huge fan, and I'm really excited to learn more about what you've been doing and a little bit more about your story. And my first question, Because you've done so much extensive work as an expert in the field and in the recovery community, can you share a little bit about what led you to where you are now in this role
1: as a leader in the recovery field and recovery movement? I've worked for the last 25 years as a licensed counselor, inpatient, residential, outpatient, um, methadone maintenance clinics, and... What led me to this part was number one, I'm a person in long-term recovery. I was a single mother who sought recovery for myself and my children. uh, And I moved from community to community because I grew up and I lived in Chicago on the West Side communities, which is now where our administrative offices are. One of the things that drove me to recovery, support services in particular was I didn't have insurance to get treatment early on. I had to find resources for myself and my children. So I left the Garfield Park community and I went to Rogers Park um, because there were just not resources readily available for people, number one, who didn't have insurance. Services that you could bring your children to, uh, which was mainly recovery support services. And I sought after that. So after working as a counselor, it was like, I was seeing people over and over and over again. It was like a revolving door. And I was very familiar with a number of different 12-step self-help groups. I was very familiar with counseling. My daughter and I had spent five years in counseling, so I knew some of that, addressing some of the trauma and some of the uh, effects from my addiction. Um, And I wanted to be able to identify recovery support services in communities that were less fortunate. Communities where you can just go. You could walk in a door and, okay, here's a service. I don't need insurance. I don't have to be asked 22 questions. I'm looking for recovery. I want to know what recovery is about. And I'm seeking some help. Where do you get places like that? So that's how I landed on this side because I had seen the other side. I know treatment works. I worked in it. I was a licensed counselor. I ran programs. Uh, My last tenure was at the Women's Treatment Center, and I resigned from the Women's Treatment Center in Chicago.
0: Well, it sounds like your own experience of maybe what you were looking for in your own recovery journey led you to this place of, hey, I'm going to help create that support and provide that support. And that is such a beautiful thing. I was actually talking to someone earlier today uh, and she had the similar experience of what I didn't have when I needed it. Somehow kind of this journey that I've been on helped me to get to a place of creating what I didn't have at another point. And in recovery too, it's such a blessing and it's such a beautiful thing when we can give back and be of service. I'm curious in terms of that piece and you talk about, you know, access to different services, what would you say maybe now or maybe kind of looking historically too, would be some of the barriers to being able to access treatment or other types of recovery support services for folks that you, you know, have worked with or from your own experience?
1: The biggest barrier is not knowing where services are and where to get them. We do a lot of self-identification and we make sure that people know that they can get service. Mm -hmm. Um, It's really important. I lived in a very diverse community, but services were hidden. If you didn't know where services were, there were no directories, there were no focus groups, there were no councils that you could go to. There were no recovery community organizations, which is now what we have created. We have some treatment centers. We have some self-help meetings. But what if you haven't been to treatment? What if you have no insurance? Then how? To, where do you go to get help? And creating a recovery community organization is so that we can put a face on recovery. We want the community who have been afflicted by substance use disorder and alcoholism to know that there's also a place that you can go and get recovery free. Mm. Oh, yeah.
0: Mm. Oh, I love that. And I've been to several Faces and Voices of Recovery national conferences over the years. And I used to work with, um, I'm not sure if you know Flo Hilliard, but she's a huge mentor of mine. And I worked kind of as her assistant for several years and, and just learned so much. And just being in that space, the energy and the excitement and the passion behind what you say, you know putting a face and a voice to recovery because sometimes it's just that simple seeing someone else having their, you know, watching them walk out recovery and see that it works is, is sometimes all it takes to kind of jumpstart us and get us going. I know for me personally, that was it. And so you talk a little bit about your recovery community organization, Chicago recovering communities coalition. What's the difference For people who might not know and who are listening, between a recovery community organization,
1: RCO, and treatment? Treatment is clinical. Uh, I worked as a clinician for 25 years. A licensed counselor is all clinical. Treatment plans, we help people plan it out. Recovery is meeting people where they are. People need recovery. They need to know that a recovery community organization is non-clinical. It doesn't require... Uh, licensed counselors and things of that nature, though I still have my licensure and I'm able to uh, do some assessing and say, okay, we need to get them to another level of care. Recovery community organizations is all about community. It's all about meeting people where they are, helping them to get in recovery. You don't have to be in recovery. You just have to be seeking recovery. You can come into the center and say, how do I find a detox or how do I find treatment? how do I get my children into counseling or I need some type of service and in a recovery community organization, we're able to refer them where they're needed. So we just want to get people services. We want to get them connected. We want to meet them where they are uh, and we want to be able to help them get into recovery in some shape, form or fashion, whatever that may be. And from your
0: experience, I'm curious too, are there certain things that you've seen over, over the years, or maybe in your own recovery journey that are, I don't want to say magic ingredients. I don't think it's magic. I think there's evidence behind it, but are there certain things that work in terms of being able to maintain wellness, maintain recovery types of services or things like that, that
1: you've seen? Yes. Um, different people need different things. Um, When I first came into recovery, the prevalent modality for recovery was a 12-step program. uh, A-A-N-A-C-A. Those were the main three self-help programs. And that was the only way that people could get healthy recovery. Everybody didn't fit in those models. I most definitely outgrew the model. There's holistic models. I had children with me. So what I had to do was I had to find ways where I couldn't divorce my children. I definitely, as a single mother, was not going to divorce my children. But One of the things that I found was that they needed different things as they grew up, just as I did. So we had to try things and we had to add different things. Um, My children and I are a product of a social model recovery program. We went into a recovery education group each week. And they allowed me to bring my children. My children could talk about how they felt about this new person that I was becoming. And Mm. they recovered with me. They had some trauma. There were some bad relationships. And we all began to get better together through this social model. Um, They were in Al-Anon for a time. They chaired meeting. We was in counseling. We needed different things as we began to grow up. So... Putting a face on recovery and allowing them to to see that I'm recovering, I'm healing, but I want you all to do it too. And there's things that you have to do and we can do together as a family. And it was really exciting to see. Well, I think that's
0: beautiful that you had that opportunity to do a type of family recovery support. And I know that's something that's so needed. And one of the things that I'm really passionate about is women's recovery advocacy and talking about those issues and services that are so needed and that we need more access to. And services that have childcare included recovery, housing, you know, treatment, other types of recovery support services. So, so important. I know when I moved to Tennessee from Wisconsin, I was looking for a meeting and this is, you know, I've had many years, several years in recovery at this point, but I moved, I need, I need to up my support for the life of me. I couldn't find any services, any meetings with, uh, that would allow children. And it really struck me as a newer mom. Wow. You know, and, um, and I can't even imagine some of the other things uh, that mothers go through. So very important to keep advocating, um, in terms of folks who might be interested in learning more about recovery community organizations. So I'm hoping that some folks who are listening to this might be spurred on to think about ways that they can get involved in their community. Do you have any lessons learned over your extensive experience with building an RCO? Any lessons learned that you could share with folks about how to build an RCO, maybe what to do, what not to do, things that you've learned along the way?
1: Absolutely. Some of the things that I've learned is RCOs are based in the community. Um, Initially, I thought that I had to have a lot of money, get a building, you got to have. No, I basically did what the 12-step programs and the 12-step meetings did. I began to go and ask for space in the churches and in some of the offices that were in my community can you donate two hours a week for us to do a recovery education group? I went back into the community and I began to host events and just invite people in. Um, Then the other thing that has really been to my advantage was I began to visit States. I went to Texas to visit uh, Apple. I went to Detroit to visit uh, Andre Detroit connection. I went to, RCOs to see what do you do that is different from what I've been doing for 30 years. I worked in treatment, primarily inpatient, outpatient. And it's not about clinical services. It's about just non-clinical services and support systems that we can offer people outside of the treatment doors, because that's what recovery support services is. It's outside of the treatment doors and people get an opportunity to live and to practice their recovery outside of those schools.
0: I think that's great how you mentioned um, out in Detroit and visiting Ohio. I think it was, um, they were featured in, was it the anonymous people? And I remember just being floored, like, what? Oh, my goodness, is this is going on. I want to I go check this out, too. That's amazing. I love that you sought out other folks who'd been walk in the walk who'd been, you know, working in the RCO area to learn more about what works and maybe how to model some of what, you know, you're doing after after some of what works. And I know Faces and Voices of Recovery has an excellent recovery community organization toolkit for folks who are interested in looking at building. So I'll actually include a link to that in the summary of the podcast to share. I want to ask, I know we're almost out of time, but I also want to ask as a woman, In recovery, who is a leader of an organization, who sounds like you have a SAMHSA grant and you're just doing some incredible work in your community. What would you say to other women who are maybe working against barriers or obstacles either in their own life, you know, in society and, you know, some of those things kind of we're working against those obstacles to try to make a difference Are there words of encouragement that you'd like to share that you can share about that or that you maybe have heard in your own life that have helped you?
1: I would say stand up, get healthy, get well, continue in your recovery. And as you get well, as you get healthy, uh, you will be able to be um, a voice in your community. I didn't start out as a community activist, trust me. I wasn't a leader. Um, I developed into a leader. There were other people that poured into me. There were I've had mentors that said to me you would be good at this. And being in recovery, participating in my recovery, being getting healthy, being well, making sure that my children were healthy and well and the people around me got healthy and well. And then I was able to stand up on my own and say, "You know what? I can be a leader. I can do this." I could do this. And I began to pick and choose what I could do. Um, And my recovery has been the vehicle to get me to do that as the person in long term recovery, as a single mom. Well, I'm married now, I've been married for 11 years, but those were the things that strengthened me. um, And I became a leader by the things that I practiced, by the things that I did. And then my voice got bigger and bigger, and it's even getting bigger now. I sometimes feel like now I need a bigger voice, but I'm going to use the voice that I have. And as things come about like this and with other people's faces and voices, I can continue to do. Oh, that's
0: wonderful words of wisdom. And I love that you shared how other people poured into you and that your own leadership journey has been done in community. That's definitely been my experience too. And I'm just really grateful to connect. I actually have some ideas about um, some other maybe opportunities you might be interested in, in terms of that voice piece you talk about. So maybe we can connect just for a minute here after we uh, end the podcast. Maybe I'll just edit that part out. Um, But thank you so much for being here. It truly, truly is an honor. And I'm so touched that you wanted to come on today to share just a little bit about your own story and about your leadership journey, about building a recovery community organization that truly impacts lives in your community. So thank you again for joining me.
1: Thank you for having me. Thanks so much for listening.
0: Remember, I've got some great free resources and tools to guide your recovery journey at BrightStoryShine.com.